0: Amen. Come on, church. That was last week. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we have uh, a Hispanic congregation, Iglesia Bautista del Camino. They're meeting right now in the chapel, uh, and uh, we are thrilled to have uh, the leadership of Pastor Vernick Suarez, been on staff with us for uh, since about 2004 five, six, seven, somewhere in there, Uh, and uh, just a wonderful ministry. God is doing great things in our Hispanic fellowship uh, right now as uh, uh, God continues to bring individuals who are far from Him to come to faith in Christ, and there are several more that need to be baptized uh, that uh, Vernig has uh, prayed with, has met with, has discipled up to this point, and they're ready for baptism, so you be in prayer for them. And prayer for what God has in store. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn before we turn to Matthew twenty-two. I want you to turn to Psalm one nineteen. Okay, turn to Psalm one nineteen. While you're turning there, just remind you that we are a church that prays together, and as a church body, we gather together at six thirty on Tuesday nights in the chapel, and we pray. Um, uh, and we do battle for God's glory through prayer as a church. I uh, want to invite you to join us, encourage you to be with us. It is a, uh, an hour of praying, and that's what we do. We pray. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, that is, um, uh, if, not it, if, if not the most important gathering we have during the week, it is one of the top two or three. Uh, And so I want to encourage you to be part of what God is doing through our church by coming before Him in intercession and petition and prayer. And join us at 6.30 uh, Tuesday nights in the chapel. I know not everyone can gather with us, but every one of us can join together as the church and pray together. Now, the practice of our church is at 1 o'clock, Uh, We all set our calendars at 1 o'clock, set our reminders at 1 o'clock, and we set aside one minute uh, to pray at 1 o'clock. So a concerted effort, whether you're online or in the room, uh, we make a concerted effort to pray together as a church for one thing uh, at 1 o'clock. Here's the one thing I want to encourage you uh, to join me in praying. Uh, at 1 o'clock, when that alarm goes off, you get ready. 1 o'clock, let's all set aside at least 60 seconds, and let's pray this. Oh God, show me how to love you more or better. If you're from the South, more better. <laughs> Lord, show me how to love you more, and show me how to love others the way you've loved me. And that's the prayer. And every day at one o'clock, I invite you to join me and let's pray this together. Oh God, help me, help us as a church know how, show us how to love you more. And Lord, I pray that you would help us, show us how to love others Now, you're going to want to take some notes during the message today because those notes are going to help you in that minute plus of praying that we're going to do together, okay? Uh, So uh, as we begin this journey, also, thank you so much for uh, last week. One of the ways that as a pastor I serve you is, first, I preach, and second, I pray. Uh, One of the top two responsibilities that I have as a pastor is to pray for you. And it is so important for me to pray for you, but it also is helpful when I know exactly how you would have me pray for you. Uh, Last week I asked you, and this week I continue, and every week I'm going to ask you, take one of those blue cards, flip it over to the blank side, write down any request that you have, anything that you want me to pray for you over. Uh, You write that down, put it in the offering box. As you leave, you can hand it to me, Uh, You can give it to the Next Step station in the Grand Lobby. They will all get to me, and they go to my desk, and I pray specifically for you. This past week was thrilled to spend about two, two and a half hours praying for your specific needs. Uh, And so I want to invite you to allow me that privilege of praying for you specifically. Let me know how I can pray for you. And no request is too small, and no request is too large. Uh, Just let me know. How I can pray for you. By the way, uh, this is not a backhanded way for you to complain. (laughs) You know who you are. This isn't an opportunity for you to complain about something. This is an opportunity for me to pray for you about something. Okay? I'm glad you laughed because I was smiling. But I was trying to be a little bit more weightier than just a laugh. This isn't an opportunity for you just to uh, air your grievances. That happens at Festivus for the rest of us. (laughs) Some of y'all are not Seinfeld people, but those of you who are, you laughing in the inside. The airing of grievances. Thank you. All right. Uh, Psalm 119. Now, this is so important. We want to be healthy. We want a life that is healthy. We want our families to be healthy. We want a church that is healthy. I'm praying that you would be healthy, and I know you're praying that I would be healthy. And we've been looking in the Gospel of Matthew Uh, over the last several weeks, how can I have a healthy heart? Proverbs chapter 4 says, guard your heart above all else, for out of it flow the source of life, the the quality of our life and the quantity of our life. It flows out of not the physical organ of our heart, but that uh, the, the seat of our emotions and the seat of our thinking and the seat of our willing comes out of our heart. So we need to guard our heart. We know in Jeremiah 17, it says the heart is deceitful above all things who can know it. Well, God knows our heart, and he's leading us as followers of Christ to be healthy in our heart. And uh, we've been looking through the Gospel of Matthew, what Jesus is teaching us about how to have a healthy heart. Today, we're continuing that journey, but we're going to begin in Psalm 119. So Psalm 119, beginning in verse 1. We're going to read through uh, verse 7. Now, I want you to... Hear the word of the Lord. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who obey His testimonies, who seek Him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in His ways. Lord, you have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently or to be obeyed diligently. Oh that my ways may be steadfast in obeying your statutes, then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. Psalm one nineteen verses one through seven tells us, teaches us what Genesis teaches, and Exodus, and Leviticus, and Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and what the history books of Scripture teach us, what the poetic books of Scripture teach us, what the prophets. Teach us. They teach us that the way to experience a blessed life, a life of deep, abiding joy, regardless of the circumstances that we face, the way for us to experience a blessed life, a life that is whole and a life that is healthy, the way to experience a blessed life is by obeying God. That's it. A healthy heart lives to obey God. That's it. A healthy heart lives to obey God. Today, I want to ask you, are you miserable? Are you a complainer? Are you filled with bitterness? Are you hateful or filled with hate? Are you just the opposite of blessed? If you are, then I encourage you, I challenge you, I beg of you to check your obedience to God. When I am particularly cantankerous in my soul, The first place I look is not at the externals around me. The first place I need to look is in my relationship with God. Am I being obedient to Him? Psalm 119 verses 1 through 7. In fact, all of Psalm 119 tells us that if we are going to experience the wholeness of life, the fullness of life, the health of life, It's because we are walking in the ways of God. We are following the precepts of God. We are obeying the ordinances of God. We are obeying God. And when we get out of whack, when our obedience wanes, that's when we stop flourishing. It's what the psalmist said when he began the Psalter. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Blessed is the person who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the sea of the scornful. But blessed is the person who delights himself in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. Whatever he does will prosper. That's healthy. Why is that person healthy? Because he meditates day and night on what God wants, and he gives himself to do it. Please know, please know that if you want a healthy heart, you've got to obey God. And there's no other way. Now, good news. Good news, all right? Good news. The good news is that if you're a follower of Jesus, he's given you a heart that longs to obey God. If you're a follower of Jesus, you... Uh, once were lost. You once were hostile toward God. You once were separated from God by your sin. But God in his grace showed you that he sent Jesus on a rescue mission to die for your sin upon a cross to give you new life when you repented your sin and trusted in Jesus. And if that has been your experience, if you have been moved from the realm of darkness and death to light and life, if that's your experience, then know that God has given you a new, heart. A heart to obey him. He's taken out that stony heart of rebellion against God, and he's given you a new heart. And written in that heart's DNA is, you and I must obey God. We want to. You want to. I want to. But the way we get to health is not just the want to. It's the doing of it. Uh, Good news now. Good news. Get this. Good news. God knows how hard it can be sometimes to obey him. He knows that. And so what did he do? He poured his Holy Spirit within us so that we can be empowered by the Holy Spirit every day through the reading of the Word and the application of that Word in our life. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit of God not to just feel good, ecstatic thoughts. We are empowered by the Spirit of God so that we might obey God and have a healthy heart and experience blessed, a deep and abiding joy no matter the circumstances. So, turn in your copy of Scripture now from Psalm 119 to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, Jesus is talking with Sadducees and Pharisees. They're trying to trip him up, trying to trick him, trying to, uh, trying to uh, show that he's not the best teacher in the world, that they're better than he is. And so they have these ongoing Twitter debates, but they're in person. And they're talking about how how tough life is uh, uh, when when you're living in this world. But they're trying to trick Jesus into saying something that's blasphemous. Jesus takes on every argument that they pose. And he silences them with his uh, faithfulness to God and to God's word. But now beginning in verse 34... When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they got together. And one of them, a lawyer, I'm not going to tell any lawyer jokes. One of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question, testing him. And here's what he said. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Now, stop right there. Please know that during this time, the religionists of Judaism debated what was the greatest commandment of the law. You've got the Ten Commandments, but what is the greatest of the Ten Commandments? And some said, you shall have no other gods before me. Others said, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy, etc., and so the, the, the uh, lawyer was posing to Jesus trying to trap him on the horns of a dilemma. Which of the ten or which of the prophets would he say gave the, great, the greatest of all commandments? It's not a bad question, by the way. It's like uh, if, uh, when I was working at a... a, a a prefab shop, in Southeast Texas. I was going to college, and I was dating Edie and uh, my wife. And I was uh, fishing mostly and playing golf mostly, but also worked. And uh, what uh, worked at this place called Piping Accessories, and and I had kind of a um, a job where I was the runner of the. They made uh, they made uh, uh, platforms and stuff for the oil refinery businesses in Southeast Texas. And so my job primarily was to do whatever they said. First day on the job I was told to pick up every cigarette butt on the shop floor. A lot of cigarette butts. Right? And so anyway, I, I, was just, I was just doing whatever the boss told me to do. and. It was important, I would come to work that day and I would say, boss, what do you want me to do? And whatever the boss said, I had my priority for the day. That was it. it was picking up cigarette butts, pick up cigarette butts. It was grind metal, grind metal. It was bend rebar, it was bend rebar. If it was, uh, uh, whatever it was, that was my job. Mow the yard, mow the yard. Go pick up my cleaning. I was going to go pick up his cleaning. He was my boss. I was going to do what he said. And if he gave me my marching orders, I had my priority. That's what we can see in this. Now, maybe the Pharisee was trying to trip Jesus up, but he asked a great question. God, what is the most important thing for me to do today? I wake up tomorrow morning. God, what is the most important thing for me to do today? I go to bed tonight. God, wake me up tomorrow morning. And show me what is the most important thing for me to do. What is the greatest commandment of all? In verse 37, Jesus said to him, now this is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 that Jesus is quoting. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the great commandment, verse 39. And the second like it is this, and this is Leviticus 19, 18. The second like it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now look at verse 40. He said, on these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. Like a, like a door hangs on its hinge to open and close, Jesus is saying that these two commands, Deuteronomy 6, 4, Leviticus nineteen eighteen, these two commands serve as one hinge upon everything in Scripture. Hangs. He said, this is it. This is the centerpiece of uh, of my life as a follower of Jesus, as, as one who's been rescued by God's grace through faith in Christ, who's been given a new heart. God, I want to please you. How can I please you? God says, here's what you do. You obey me. Well, how do I obey you? Well, then Jesus clarifies. Love God with all my heart. If we're, going to, if we're going to live for God's pleasure, if we're going to have an obedient heart, a healthy heart beats for, uh, to obey God, then what does that mean? It means first and foremost, I'm going to love God above everything else. I'm going to love God with all that I am. Now, is that how you love God? Uh, more than your sporting teams. I'm looking around the room and I see some Virginia Tech people and I see some Ohio State people and I see some, I, I see some uh, Virginia people and I see some, some uh, God help them, Alabama people. And <laughs> see some UNC Tar Heel Blue people and NC State people. I, I see all these different teams. ODU people i'm a tennessee volunteer people right do you love god more than you love your team but do you don't be quick to say yes do you spend more time thinking about the statistics of your football team than you do studying god's word hearing from Him, allowing the Spirit of God to take the Word of God and apply it to your life. I, I don't know if you know this, but University of Tennessee fans are crazy. I, I mean, I, I, I was born in South Knoxville, not too far from Nayland Stadium. And I was raised uh, to love that Convict orange and white team. And I love them. I do. I love them. But listen, I pale in comparison to the fanaticism that I find among some of my family and some of my friends in South Knoxville. They are crazy. I mean, everything revolves around Tennessee football. The way they, if I want to go trout fishing in the Smokies, another love of mine, if I want to go trout fishing in the Smokies, all I have to do is pick a day, a Saturday, when Tennessee is playing. There's nobody in the mountains on that day. Hey, I have family that float the Tennessee River that flows right alongside Neyland Stadium, and they call themselves the Tennessee Armada, and they float that river, and they make a whole day of it to make their way to Neyland Stadium. Then they get out of their boats, and they go into the football stadium, and they join 108 other screaming, crazy fans to watch 24, 22, 24, how many people are on a football team? Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. 24 if you're a Tennessee fan. Uh, you watch, watch these 22 kids, 18 to 23 years old, play a game. And they act like their life depends on it. If Tennessee loses, God help the coach. I mean, everything, they wake up, they, they wear orange everything. Everything. You go to Knoxville right now, everything's orange. I mean everything. And it's that convict orange. It's not even a pretty orange. I love it, but it's not a pretty orange. Everything revolves around Tennessee football. You build your days. You build your lunches. You build your afternoons. You build your week. You build your weekend. You build everything from from morning to night around that football schedule. Can I ask you is that normal in Tennessee it's normal what about you are there are there any things in your life that you wake up thinking about go to bed thinking about and everything about your life revolves around that and it may not be a thing it may be an emotion it may not be an emotion. It may be a job. It may not be a job. It may be a worry. It may not be a worry. It may be a victory. It may not be a victory. It may be an ambition. Is there anything in your life that everything about your life revolves around that one thing? Is it God? Is it your relationship with Him? See, one thing about loving God with all that we are, God, God says, you're not going to have any substitutes. Any passions in your life that are more important to you than God? You might say, well, no. Yeah, really? Do you spend more money on certain things than you do on the kingdom of God? Do you spend more time thinking about certain things than you do the kingdom of God or your relationship with God or what God wants? When God says, go here, do you say, no, I really don't have time. I've got a sporting event I've got to go to, or I've got, I've got, I've got uh, an activity that I've got to go to, or I've, I've, got, I've got friends that I've got to meet. You see what I'm saying? I mean, really, when it comes down to it, loving God with all that you are, with all your heart, soul, and mind, is more than just play acting on Sunday morning. To love God with all your heart, soul, and mind means that you give him all that you are. Paul said it this way, Galatians 2.20. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life that I now live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. He said it a little bit differently in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He said, he said uh, and, and uh, the love of Christ compels us Because we judge thusly, if if one died for all, then all have died, but Jesus died for all so that we who live should live no longer for ourselves, but for him who died for us and rose again. Are you giving everything that you are, every emotion, every thought, every activity, every relationship, every word out of your mouth, are you giving everything to God? That's what it means to love God with all that you are. You really get down to it, 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 says, if you love God, you're going to do what he says. You're going to obey him. If I'm living in rebellion against God, if God says, Eric, I don't want you to lie anymore, but I lie every single day, can I tell you I'm not loving God? That's just simple. Right? Right? Does that make sense? It doesn't mean God stops loving me. It just means I'm not loving him. When I was a teenager, I would uh, you know, go to school and dad would always say, you know, Eric, I want, you to, I want you to do A, B, and C. And, and if I never did A, B, or C, my parents would know that it was more than just disobedience. My heart's affection wasn't for mom and dad. I was for other things. We like to give ourselves a break and say, well, I'm just being disobedient here. No, we are not loving God. To love God with all that we are means that we give him all that we are. Not 99%, but 100%. And if we're going to have a healthy heart and a healthy life, it means that we're going to obey him. And if we're going to obey him, it means we love him. And how do we love him? By obeying him. Does that sound circular? It is. If there's any point of Scripture that you say it doesn't matter to me, then please know that you're saying you don't love God. I love you enough to tell you the truth. How do we obey God? Well, we love God with everything we are, but how do we love God with everything we are? The second likened to it is this, love your neighbor as yourself. We love others sacrificially. We love others the way God has loved us. Leviticus 19, 18 is a long series of, of, uh, uh, before verse 18, there's a long series of commands. and, And essentially in Leviticus, God says, if you obey me, I'll bless you. If you disobey me, you're going to be cursed. You obey me, I'm going to bless you. If you disobey me, You're going to be cursed. And then in Leviticus 19, he says, listen, there's a whole world of people out there. They're strangers and foreigners. And they're going to be looking to God's people for rescue and safety and help and nourishment and nurture. And that's when God says, "You you shall love your neighbor. And then he adds this phrase, I am the Lord. He's saying, you've got to love your neighbor. And I'm telling you to do it. And the way you know that you love me is by loving others. That's why Jesus said the second commandment, like the first, he was, he was attaching the two. Their, their unity marks their equality. There, there is no way, hear me, hear God's word, and I'll show you in a second, but there is no way for us to say, I love God and not love others. That you can't do it. Why? Because, again, the command from God is to love others. And not just love the people that are lovable. It is to love the people that are unlovable. It's not just to love the people that think like me and vote like me and act like me and look like me. It it, It is to love the people that don't vote like you and don't look like you and don't act like you. We are to love extravagantly. Not love with limitations. Aren't you glad that God didn't love you the way we sometimes love others? Aren't you glad that God loved you? So much so that even when you were hostile toward God in your sin, He loved you enough to send His only begotten Son to die on a cross in your place for your sin and invite you into His family through faith in Christ. Aren't you glad that God has shown an extravagant love toward us? And we are called by God, commanded to love others the way he's loved us. John 13, 34. New commandment I give you, Jesus said, that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, you also love one another. Is that how we're loving others? Not just others in the church, but others outside the church. I'm talking about the agnostic and the atheist. I'm talking about the, uh, the person that slaps us in the nose every time we see them. I'm talking about the person that, that spits on us. Look, those are folks we deal with every single day at work and at home and in the church. And we are called to love them the way Christ has loved us. Is that the way we're loving look, I know it's hard. I really do. But I also know that the Spirit of God resides within us so that we can say yes to love. And flip over, and you don't have to, but I'm, I'm going to read First John chapter 4. In First John chapter 4, um, we begin verse 7, we hear this great um, treatise on love. So First so John 4, 7 through 11. You can write that in the margin of Matthew 22 if you desire, but 1 John 4, 7 through 11. Here's what God's word says Beloved, aren't you glad? Beloved, that's us. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love, Does not know God. For God is love. In this, the love of God was revealed to us. That God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the payment price, the propitiation for our sins. Beloved... If God's loved you in this way, then you also ought to love one another in this way. Again, the way we experience a healthy heart is by obeying God. What is the commandment that He gives us? The big one love God with all our heart. How do we love God with all our heart? He gets all of us, that means we obey Him. And his command to us is to love others the way he has loved us. So really when it comes down to it, the hinge point for the law and the prophets (laughs) is to love God with everything that we are. And to love others the way Jesus has loved us. So how do we do that? Uh, if, if in my house we ever find a flea, now we used to have two dogs and a cat, uh, Lulu, our Westie, uh, went on to be with Jesus in heaven, because all dogs do, do go to heaven, and Bella the cat is in purgatory because cats don't make it that far. <laughs> And for those cat people in the room, I am just joking. Sort of. Now all we have is a little dog, not much of a dog, more of a rat dog. It's called a chihuahua. Lola. Lola uh, is, uh, you know, queen of the house. uh, I have a granddaughter. Her name is Nora, and she came by yesterday. I don't know if you knew that. I have a granddaughter. Her name is Nora. <laughs> she came by the house yesterday. All she wanted to do is see. see all she wanted to do was to see uh, Lola, the chihuahua, and pet Lola, the chihuahua. She did, and it was great. Uh, but if at any point in time, if at any point in time, we find one flea. I'm not talking about swarms of fleas. I'm not talking about fleas hopping and dropping all over the place. I'm not talking about fleas that have blanketed a blanket. I'm I'm talking about one little hoppity-hop flea. If at any time we see one flea, my house gets into action. We immediately call the vet. And we schedule Lola for a flea removal uh, day at the spa. And she will have that flea removal therapy with a beautiful bath and and scents and all that kind of stuff. We take her to the vet immediately. And then we come back to the house. And we have purchased, uh, they they tell you, one uh, of those flea bombs per room. We have five per room. We go get those flea bombs, and we put them out, and and uh, before we set them off, we take all the laundry sheets, all the bed sheets, all the blankets, everything that that dog might have ever sniffed at or touched. We take everything, and we put it in plastic bags like we're Dexter, and we put it all in So y'all got that. We put it all in plastic bags, and we take all those bags. We set the bombs off. We take those bags. We don't wash that stuff in our house because that flea might survive. Everything else is happening. We take all those bags and all those blankets and all those things. We take them to a laundromat, and we go to the most industrial force laundromat that there is, and we wash, and we dry, and we fold, and we put them back in new. Uh, plastic bags and then we take everything back to the house but before we set anything else up we do a deep clean and we get the essential oils of lavender or gypsum or something and we start flowing them all around the house anything everything needed to get rid of that one flea. Oh that we as followers of Jesus Christ would be as diligent to root out any affection in our heart that robs us from loving God with all that we are. Oh, that we would have that same diligence and determination, that we would root out any attitude or affection that would rob us from loving others the way that God would love us. Friends, this is serious. The way we have a healthy heart is by living to obey God and not allowing any speck, the smallest of any speck, of rebellion or pride or sin or bitterness to take root in our heart that would keep us from giving all that we are to God. No relationship, no emotion, no job, no vocation. Nothing is as important as giving God all that we are. So today my challenge to each and every one of us is simply this. Will you join me on a journey of loving God supremely and loving others sacrificially? Would you bow your heads with me please? As you've gathered here today, perhaps God has laid upon your heart a yearning and a desire to know Him, to be in love with Him, to be loved by Him. Maybe you've gathered with us online or in the room and you recognize that there's some disconnect between you and God that you can't cross there's the idea of God as some deity up there but he's distant and he's far from you and and today the spirit of God has invited you into God's family by placing your faith in Jesus as savior and key you see Jesus as the one who died for your sin upon a cross and that's your only hope to be forgiven and be brought into God's family You see Jesus being raised from the dead to give you victory over death, hell, and the grave. And so today, it is your heart's desire to come into a friendship with God by placing your faith in Jesus, to turn from your sin and to trust in Christ, so that you might receive a new heart that beats to love God, to obey God, and a new heart that beats to love others the way Jesus has loved you. If that's who you are, then I invite you to come to Christ. There are going to be ministers here at the front, and they would love to talk with you more. Go to the Next Step station. uh, They'd love to talk with you more about how to become a follower of Jesus. Or you can email pastor at firstnorfolk.org and just say, I need to become a follower of Jesus. We would love to have that conversation with you and help you on that journey. If you are a follower of Jesus then in these next few moments as we gather together and as we sing our praise and as we commit ourselves to God saying I'm here for you to use as you desire O God. As followers of Jesus maybe you need to acknowledge that you've been holding back affections for God. You've turned your affection Reserved only for God, you've turned it to other places and other people, other things. Maybe you need to take some time in these next few moments before saying, I'm here, God, use me as you want me. Before you sing that, maybe you ought to actually talk to God about how you've withheld love that is His alone. This altar will be open for you to talk to God. Maybe you want to come to one of the ministers that are here at the front, ask them to pray over you. We live in serious times, church. It demands serious people to do the serious things. And that all begins and ends with obeying God By loving him supremely and loving others sacrificially. Now Father, I pray that you would be glorified in our response to you even now. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.